Hello and welcome to episode 7 of The List Makers, a mini-podcast from The Doctor Who Show, where we take a top 5 topic, each create our lists and then discuss them. There are no hard and fast rules though, we're just here for a good chat. Our topic for episode 7 is Top 5 Stories from Modern Doctor Who. I'm Dave. And I'm Rob. Welcome back, Rob, to our seventh episode. We've got more lists to make, and this, I think, is a very straightforward topic. Maybe. Could be some (laughs) things from left field. Um, We'll each give our list, explain our picks, don't interrupt each other, then we'll see if we've got any snaps and what we made of each other's picks. Rob, the topic is top five modern Doctor Who stories. It's your turn to go first. Make your list. Dave, thank you. It's good to be here. I, I am predicting, before I begin, we'll have some snaps tonight. Yeah, I think we will as well. I, I, I don't know how we can't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm looking at my list and uh, look, I'll go no further. Let's see how the lists go. All right. I'm going to kick off though with one I know we won't snap on because I know your uh, your personal preference on this and it's Silence in the Library, Forest of the Dead. Mm-hmm. You are correct. <laughs> I think this has a great cliffhanger in the middle. The whole Donna Noble has been saved stuff. I think there's a great guest cast going on. Steve Pemberton, uh, of course, it's a, it's a River Song story. It's her debut story. The Vashta Narada is a very scary monster when it when it comes down to it. And even the everyone comes back to life bit at the end sits pretty well with me as there's some mechanics behind it. You know, if there's if there's mechanics behind it, it's it's kind of okay with me, even though I, I, I do think it's a bit cheesy in some ways. You know, everyone's living, great. Compare it to, say, I don't know, The Power of Three, where one third of the world is dead and then Matt Smith just waves his magic wand and, oh, they're alive again. What are the mechanics there? <laughs> Waving the sonic <laughs> screwdriver, wow. Whereas here, it's, it's, yeah, they've been saved in a hard drive, they're brought back, I get it, okay. So that's my number five. Number four... Empty Child and the Doctor Dancers. This just sits in my memory so hard from series one. I guess people saying, are you my mummy? You know, kind of shits me. You know, when you say you like Doctor Who and that's one of the first things I'll say to you. <laughs> it's the price you pay, I guess, for a popular story. You know, when people just take a line like that and just repeat it ad infinitum. You know, Monty Python fans do it too. When you you, you go to a party and someone likes Monty Python and, and they decide they'll quote Monty Python at you all night. Yeah, usually incorrectly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, putting all of that aside, this this is just great. World War Two, Captain Jack. The threat is interesting because it's really just trying to heal people, even though it's doing all this horrible, horrible stuff to them. It's really just trying to help. So that's great. In at number three, World Enough and Time and the Doctor Falls. I mean, how good was it to get the first Cybermen back, throw in all those sort of spare parts vibes that it had, the two masters betraying each other, the big speech from the Doctor. I know you're not big into speeches, Dave, but I think that's a good speech. <laughs> I try to help and, you know, it doesn't work most of the time, but for once once in a while it does, you know, all of that. Uh, of course, I thought there'd be stars. is just exquisite. And then, after this story, Moffat writes Twice Upon a Time. I mean, how schizophrenic is it to have these episodes sitting next to that episode on the shelf? But anyway, I digress. On to number two, Human Nature Family of Blood. Uh, reinventing an NA here and turning it into something just so good. And we see that Tennant isn't the bubbly Mockney git that he pretends to be. You know, he's actually quite a mean, vengeful prick. 
<laughs> underneath. <laughs> and I don't think that's what most people take away, mind you. I think they get hung up on the melodrama of the Doctor and Joan and, oh, my God, they're in love. And what's this chameleon arch all about, you know? Uh, and, and even the individuals in the family of blood, especially Baines, you know, played by Harry Lloyd. I think people are, are looking at all of that sort of stuff. But I'm sort of looking the other way and thinking, Tenant, you've been putting on an act. You're not this guy at all. You you are a vengeful prick. Wow. You know, so I kind of like that. Uh, and in at number one, Bad Wolf Parting of the Ways. I mentioned Empty Child and Dr. Dancers being, you know, just something that sits in my memory so, so much from series one. This is that turned up to 11. Amazing cliffhanger. Amazing next time trailer. You know, we're at war. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. (laughs) With John Barrowman overacting. Uh, You know, just about everything in this is epic. And although it wasn't planned, I think the fact this leads into a regeneration, it's like it was planned that way all along. And it wasn't, which is weird. Anyway, this is peak New Who for me, and it's from the bloody first series. That's how good it is. (laughs) You know, in all these series since, nothing's topped it for me. And that's my list. That's a very strong list, Rob. Yeah, all two parters too, so I kind of cheated. No, no, that's 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 very very fair. And um, you know how we have very rarely now in seven episodes of this mini podcast, we very rarely snapped. Here it comes. We've had three out of five. <laughs> wow, I'm surprised it wasn't four. <laughs> that's so am I actually. I thought it was going to be at one point, um, and it could well have been in in some ways. But look, I will make my list, and then we'll discuss the considerable overlap because I've got points to make myself about each of them so that's all good but but no this is going to be a different discussion I think number five I've gone with a story that I have long thought was actually a fandom recognized generally accepted classic but I've I've learned lately that it's actually a lot more divisive than I thought I think it's fantastic I think it's Capaldi's best story and that is listen right now now this is this is not a big epic two-parter like a number of my picks and indeed a number of your picks. It's a nice little self-contained episode, but I love it because I think it is the best of Capaldi. It's it's the Capaldi who wants to engage with mystery. It's the Capaldi who is curious and fun and interesting and a little bit dark and a little bit distant. It's Capaldi, I think, as the quintessential Doctor. Clara is extremely good in this. The ideas are good in this. The set pieces are good in this. I walked away from this very, very entertained, and I think that that is a great thing to be able to say about an episode. Yeah. Number four, I think, is a recognised fandom classic. Uh, this will, I suspect, be on a lot of people's lists, and that is Midnight. Yeah. Now, I don't remember watching this at the time and thinking, this is a stone-cold classic. I, I thought it was good, but it was in, in, the, in the run of some pretty good episodes, and it kind of vanished a little bit. But when I've gone back every time to watch it, it goes up again in my eyes. The concept of it, the, the, the Russell T. Davies world building is wonderful. He, cr- he creates this whole magical world that we barely even see, but you feel like you visited it. Tennant is having a great deal of fun. The guest cast is really good. Lots of recognisable faces in there that are just big gets from Doctor Who at the height of its powers. It's Imperial phrase, as we discussed recently, mm, Rob. Yes. And, and you can see that on the screen it's got all the good dramatic moments. It's got all the stuff with the monster repeating. You never quite find out what it's like. And and it ends with, does anybody know her name? And that just brings the whole impact of the story to a really real level. Mm. And um, yeah, I just think it's great. Yeah. 
Obviously, we didn't snap on those, so we've snapped on the next three. Uh, and in fact, we both had this story at number three, and that is well enough in time, The Doctor Falls. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a lot to add to what you did other than it was just a great, exciting adventure. It had cool sci-fi concepts. The Cybermen were the best we've seen done in decades. They were just so terrifying. The moment when they turned the dial down on the I'm in pain stuff, really effective. I actually like Missy in this one. I love John Sim in this one. I love Capaldi in this one. Bill is my favourite of the new series Companions and she goes through the ringer. It's beautifully directed. It's dramatic. I felt every emotion you're meant to feel, not ones that knew who just sort of tries to force you to feel, but I actually had genuine emotion on this one and uh, it, it is fantastic. And in my world, it will always be the final Capaldi story because what came next has been erased. And before you came online, you tweeted a quote from it, so I knew where you were going. <laughs> <laughs> Completely unrelated, I promise, man. All right. Maybe, maybe it was just sparking my uh, my neurons in a particular direction when mm-hmm. I was thinking. Hmm. Sure. Uh, number two for me was number four for you, and that is the empty child the Doctor dances. Yeah. I am with you. This is just entertaining. Great concepts. Great cast. Great dramatic moments. Genuinely funny moments. Genuinely laugh-out-loud moments. Genuinely interesting moments. Every moment of this has got something fun going on. It takes to places you don't expect. Eccleston is fantastic in this. Uh, look, John Barrowman is, you know, a man who we now know is uh, not the best of people, but his performance in this is really good. It is. It really is. Billy Piper's performance in this is really good. And just when you think the cast get any better, Richard Bloody Wilson turns up. You know, in Doctor Who, like if you're sitting there, as we were, going, I wonder if this thing's going to be a success. Is it really going to get mainstream appeal? And then suddenly Richard Wilson turns up. You go, yeah, okay, yeah. this is this is this is fair income. <laughs> uh, so yeah, look, just an entertaining story that I think is fantastic. And number one, look, I've said it before, my favourite New Who story, Human Nature. What a wonderful piece of television. It's David Tennant acting his socks off. It's another really good companion, an underrated companion in Martha, actually gets something to do. It's before the before the war, not so it's not 1920s, it's before the war England, mm. um, you know, in a, in a little English village. Doctor Who can't go wrong when it's doing that time and place. It's got all these moral things going on about it. The juxtaposition of fighting evil scarecrows with the coming World War One with the boys just not ready for a fate that's going to happen. And, mm. and that, that whole use of time, not here as a time travel thing, but, but as the audience is knowing where this is inevitably going with these characters, makes it work on a whole nother level. But again, just entertaining. Oh, and at the end where uh, Tennant and Martha are at the Remembrance Day ceremony. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's just perfect. And, and again, there are many examples where I mark down New Who because... I can see them making... You know, they're, they're, they've got the emotional shovel out and they're beating me around the head and going, feel something now, be emotional. And I'm like, no, go away. The ones that we've picked, I think, are the ones that for, for us, as cynical old fanboys, we actually generally go, wow, this is tugging at the heartstrings because they're really genuine characters. And it's not about the music or the direction. It's, it's about the writing and the characters. And that, to me, is really good. So, Rob, at the end of that, mm. we only have seven picks. Yes. And it's two Eccleston, three Tennant, and two Capaldi. Is that a reflection perhaps on our personal views of the modern Doctors? Look, oh gosh. I mean, there's no Smith, and I can say up front that, and I say this in many episodes actually, Smith is a Doctor I like. I don't think he was well served with stories. 
Yeah, I, I generally looked to see if I could get a Smith story in there. If I had, it would have been Vincent and the Doctor. That is my favourite Smith. But yeah. I, I couldn't knock any of my five down to get Vincent in there. Yeah, when when I just started pulling out all these two-parters and all these classic two-parters, I couldn't go past them at all. But yeah, yeah I, I mean, Vincent and the Doctor is, is fabulous. I also like quirky stuff like Amy's Choice, you yes, know, yeah, with, yeah. The, uh, with the, the Dream Lord character and, and stuff. So... That's tricky. One I'm surprised hasn't made either of our lists is uh, Heaven Sent. Mm. You know, because that's a big standalone Capaldi story, does something very different, extremely well regarded in fandom, and out of 10 picks here, it didn't make it. Yeah, and look, had I had 10 picks of my own, that would certainly have made it. Um, Vincent and the Doctor probably, probably would have made it. Probably Demons of the Punjab and maybe even... Fugitive of the Jadoon might have made it from Jody's era. Like, th- those are in my top ten. Interesting. But I can't knock them... I can't knock them into my top five. Like, I can't knock Midnight out for, for Demons of the Punjab. I, I just mm. can't. Also, you mentioned Listen being very Marmite, and and you might not have realised it at the time. I've always been on the side of liking that story. I think it's very um, meditative. It's very... Um... I don't know. There's there's a thoughtfulness to it somehow. It's, I was about to say thoughtful. That's exactly the word. Yeah, it's it's quiet. It's you know, ironic given your your lit. It's listen. Uh, I know, but, it, but but it's also spooky. Like the moment when the pipes are going on. You're not quite sure. Is that just something with the pipes, or is there something out there? The the moment with the uh, the bed and the cloth. Is there a monster there, or is it just a kid? Like they were generally like creepy moments for me. Yeah, and uh, one bit that wasn't really picked up on is the ancestor of um, Danny Pink. And I sort of wonder how that happens now, because he, he sort of dies without leaving any children. So, <laughs> Yes, it's, it's interesting. I, I almost would mark this down because that whole descendant of Pink kind of doesn't quite work. And like this idea that in generations time, your great-great-great-great-great-great-grandson looks just like you is kind of genetically stupid Mm. um you know genetics doesn't work like that um (laughs) but i don't think that's the story's fault and i actually think that was a really good use of the pink character who was very well acted but not well written i think for most of his other episodes Mm. yeah no that's that's fair enough uh, I mentioned earlier I cheated by having all two-parters. You didn't go with all two-parters, though, so at least a couple of episodes you thought were, were strong enough to stand against having twice the, the screen time and story time. Yeah, look, absolutely, but it is something we need to discuss because, again, I look at my shortlist and uh, Journey's, Journey's End was absolutely on there. The Impossible Planet, again, it's not a top five, but it's a top ten and it was on my shortlist. Um, I did have Bad Wolf Parting of the Ways, mm. which so we, we almost had four snaps there. <laughs> um, yeah, look, my go-tos are definitely the two-parters and, look, what's, what's to say there that hasn't been said by many people over many years when you give a space like that a bit more time to breathe, a bit more budget, a bit more scope to do some different things, you're going to get, hopefully, some much better results. Yeah. Uh, aside from that Capaldi series where just about everything was a two-parter, and it wasn't that great a series. No, but again, I think there they were trying to be too clever. Yeah, by, true. By having, by having the two-parters that were... They're two-parters, but they're not two-parters. So, like, it's the same character, but thousands of years apart, or... Yeah, um, something happening very differently in the second part, yeah. Yeah, the only one that really 
is just a conventional two-parter is probably my favorite of that series which is the under the lake one which is just a really good story and it uses the 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 two episodes there to actually do a few things different go to some different locations have a couple of twists and has has time to breathe but what we've also picked out of all of our picks and particularly the two-parters is that extra character stuff like you you look at the empty child some of the most memorable scenes in that would not be in a one part episode some of the stuff where the doctor and jack are sort of you know joking around and you know the the johnny the joke about the sonic laser versus the sonic screwdriver or Mm. the stuff where eccleston sits down to dinner and has a quite a long conversation with those children there and you get all the stuff about um you know where he gets the, the the food from the butcher and you know about what's happened to to the characters and you wouldn't have that in a 42 minute story no. And that's what really makes the difference. Even some of those moments, those quiet moments with Richard Wilson's character, again, you'd have to cut them out or have them be smaller if you had less time, and that would be to the story's detriment. Um, Jack's big monologue where he thinks he's going to be blown up, that, that's a good several-minute scene, Yeah, and yeah. it's for the better for it. Yeah, absolutely. And look, when you when you stretch these out to, to 90 minutes say I guess if we grew up on the classic era that that's the length of a, a four-parter with the credits taken out I guess yeah absolutely and look I think that, that is a very good length for a Doctor Who story but but look I did have some smaller ones in there Rob I'm going to ask if I forced you to put a Jodie Whittaker story into the top five what would it be oh you're really putting me on the spot now um good you you, you mentioned Demons of the Punjab that is a very good one uh I, off the top of my head, I would go with that, actually. Oh, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, no, I think that's very good. And of the other big historical in that season with uh, Rosa, I think it just it, it destroys Rosa on every level. Yeah, I like Rosa. Rosa would be up there for the Jodies, but I think I think Demons does it much, much better. Mm, absolutely. Fair enough. Well, we are getting towards the 20-minute mark of the episode. If Les, oh, there's any more, any more points you need to make, Rob? I'm a good... You're good. Okay, in that case, we will once again reach in Turlo's hat of Rasselon. <laughs> yes. And our topic for... Ooh. Oh, what have our you got? Top, our topic for next month, Rob, is top five yeah. villains. Oh, come on. <laughs> Let's turn that into a top five. I could give you ten on the spot. Okay, oh. well... Gosh, okay. Listeners, thank you once again for tuning into The List Makers. This has been a snaptastic episode. Um, it is the most snaps we've had now in seven episodes. Is this the start of a trend or is it... Thank you. Is that the start of a trend or is it just an aberration? Uh, tune in next month to find out when we discuss our top five villains. But until then, goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Hello world, Rob here. This is something new. I'm appearing at the end of the episode. Uh, We had slightly underrun on this episode, so it's kind of cool, but I really wanted to amend something. During the episode, Dave put me on the spot as to what Jodie story I might put in my top tier Doctor Who stories. And I was kind of caught on the on the hop, and I, I said Demons of the Punjab, and I do indeed think that's a great, great story. It's it's one of my probably top three Jodie Whittaker stories. However, what I probably should have said is The Haunting of Villa Diodati, which I think was a really good story. Ashad the Cybermen was truly scary in it, 
and I think all the performances were great. Lord Byron was fantastic in it. So yeah, I do want to amend this episode slightly. <laughs> I haven't even told Dave I'm doing this. The Haunting of Villa Diodati. See you next time.